Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Good morning and welcome everyone to The Connection radio program. I am your host, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, the CEO of The Connection. And today, Ann Baldwin, who is my usual co-host, is off away on a business trip, so we're missing her this morning. I am very excited about today's show as we have with us our special guest, Teresa Ferraro, Program Director of Residential and Community Behavioral Health Services, along with Stephen Matos, Gambling Peer Counselor, who joined us today to talk about the gambling, talk about gambling addiction and the programs that are available at the Connection Incorporated. So I'm going to turn it over to Teresa. Good morning. It's so good to see your smiling face. Can you tell uh, our listeners about the services that you provide at the Better Choice Program? Sure. Good morning, Lisa. It's good to see you too. So we provide problem gambling support services to individuals and their families who have been affected by problem gambling behaviors. Um, We provide individual group therapy. We provide education and prevention services in communities. And I think one of the things that um, is most special about the program is that we provide recovery support services. And so that's one of the things that Stephen does. And so I wanted to give him the opportunity to talk about that because it really is a special niche in our communities and one of that is so desperately needed and one that I'm not sure is I'm not sure how well known it is. And so I wanted to, him to talk a little bit about that. So certainly, um, and one thing different seems like different gambling uh, treatment uh, peer counseling uh, peer counselors have a big part in that. Um, when people come in, uh, they they're, they're pretty they feel pretty bad. You know, there's a lot of shame and guilt that goes along with uh, gambling addiction. And you know, when they talk to someone who's kind of been there and done that, it's it's really helpful for them. Um, they, they they seem to uh, you know connect with the peer counselors really well. Um, we actually have two in our program. So um, it's, a, it's a really good um, service that we provide, and, and along with gambling trained clinicians too. So, Yeah, I think the recovery support services are, are so really useful for that reason, you know, for that people can come in and they can feel welcome and we can start to really remove the shame and remove the stigma from people accessing services because we know that um, with any type of addiction, it, a lot of the times it starts with activities that are very socially accepted, right? And and we reach a certain point where they become a problem, they interfere with our daily lives, and it's really difficult, I think, for people to kind of notice sometimes when those regularly, um, when those regular activities, those, um, you know, those socially accepted activities become an issue. Sure. And certainly like in other addictions, like, you know, alcohol, alcohol and drug addiction, you know, there's AA and NA and there, and those, those fellowships are huge. There's, there's meetings every night. There's thousands of meetings, even in Connecticut. So, you know, through those programs uh, outside of treatment, you know, and 
people can find a lot of things to do. Mm-hmm. With gambling, it's kind of a different story. Uh, you know, there's probably 22 Gamblers Anonymous meetings in Western Mass and Connecticut. So, you know, the support on the outside of, you know, treatment is, is small. So mm-hmm. people, you know, often find it difficult um, to get, you know, get recovery, find recovery on the outside. So we try to, you know, bridge that or, and, and, and help them with that. Even within our own program, um, we provide uh, long-term recovery groups, mm-hmm. you know, for people that, you know, just have difficulty going to Gamblers Anonymous for whatever reason. Um, we have activities for the folks that come to our program. Mm-hmm. So, um, and just like ongoing recovery support for it pretty much is open-ended. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the beauty of our program. We, we have people that, you know, get support from our program for, you know, 13, 14, 15 years right now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so uh, just for a little bit of history for our, our listeners that are tuning in, um, we're talking about the Better Choice counseling services that are designed in Connecticut for problem gamblers and their families. And in 1982, the state of Connecticut established the nation's first outpatient problem gambling treatment program, the Better Choice program, which we're talking about, which was created in 1998. And it has expanded its specialized gambling services to 17 cities statewide, which I think that's pretty amazing. Mm. The Connection has two program sites in New Haven and Middletown. And as um, Teresa and Steve were saying, these programs offer substance abuse and mental health counseling services to problem gamblers and their family regardless of ability to pay. Um, Steve, can you talk to our listeners about the shame that's associated with and how you help the um, folks you see come in deal with that initial feeling of shame and loss and maybe even articulate and tell perhaps a story of someone that you know rings uh, true to your heart that you offered help to and that really struggled? So I could probably speak a little bit about myself on that case. Um, so, you know, one thing with gambling addiction, it's, it's, it's often viewed uh, by, you know, people on the out, you know, not in, you know, that don't, don't know a lot about it, even in the um, judicial system for that matter. Um, not that I had experience with that, but folk, like it's viewed differently where people, we have pe- people come to our program, you know, that have been, you know, incarcerated or facing incarceration and often experience like harsher sentences rather than, you know, than someone with, you know, drug and alcohol problem where they off- offered a program or some kind of, di- you know, some kind of diversionary program. And um, with, you know, with gambling, it's like, oh, you, you know, a lot of times it's, well, it's, you know, you're, you're greedy, you stole money, you know, and a lot of times it's like, you know, mo- you know money was taken just, you know, with the intent of putting it back after they, um, you know, want it back. So mm-hmm. it's kind of viewed differently. And it, even in my own case, I mean, I, um, I've been in recovery for over 30 years and, you know, pr- pr- you know, from, uh, you know, from problem gambling and, and, and alcohol. So, you know, everybody knew knows in my life that I don't drink and I haven't drank and it's not, not a big deal. Everybody knows somebody that doesn't drink. And right. So when I started work, I retired from the state of Connecticut. So when I started working in this field, you know, people would ask me what I did and I'm like well I, I work for the you know the nonprofit agency or whatever well what do you do there and I'm like well um I'm a counselor well what kind of counselor are you I said well I work with gambling addiction well how do you know about that I didn't want to tell them mm-hmm. I didn't want to like say you know I used to be, be a gambler I even my I, I, I call myself post stigma you know mm, I was right. kind of I was kind of like even embarrassed to tell someone else I didn't care about the drinking part but mm-hmm. it was just like a personal thing but now I don't have obviously I don't have a problem with it but uh mm-hmm. Early on, I, 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 even myself, after 25 years at the time, I didn't even want to talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. outside, you know, my recovery network. So, 
what do you think helped you overcome that and 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 grow into the fabulous role that you're in today well certainly i wouldn't be sitting here today if i didn't grow into it no but i i think that i'm confident you know you know where i am in my in my life you know i had had a great one great career and you know embarking on another and it's Mm -hmm. been if i'm going to do this i have to be all in so right yeah it's really not a big deal you know there there really is a lot to be said about um, consumers and folks that go through some type of addiction and are able to really come back and share that strength with others that are seeking services and really my hat's off to you Steve for really giving back and providing a pathway and hope for others who are suffering suffering from addiction problems my question because you sort of walked down that road obviously and you're standing you're sitting here and looking great and it's just amazing to hear your story um, what really helped you, if you don't mind sharing, to come to get help for yourself? So for, for me, um, I was, um, I was in recovery or early recovery, you know, in AA for, you know, uh, like 10 months and, you know, I was doing well in some areas and, and, and struggling in others. So, you know, my recovery kind of hit a roadblock. So, um, there were still things I wasn't, you know, that weren't getting better in my life you know, being in recovery, and one of them, you know, financially, obviously, because I was still gambling, and, you know, and gambling almost took me back to drinking, you know, thank God it didn't, but it, it almost did, and I, I actually see that a lot in, in, in recovery, you know, my rec- out there, you know, in, in 12-step programs and things like that, folks that, you know, wind up with a, you know, second addiction, have been in, been in recovery for a long time, and right. wind up with a gambling addiction, or happens quite often yes it does especially today you know Connecticut with all the gambling that we have here Mm. so um so it was it scared me enough to to want to get help you know for my gambling I didn't want to go back down that other road so do you see differences between the reasons why women gamble and men gamble I know there's been a lot of research you know tied to the differences that motivate folks to whether you're male or female do you see that Teresa or Steve can you speak on that and what are some some of the things that you see for patterns with regards to women as opposed to men so um Men tend to start gambling earlier in life. Um, it just that's what the research shows, and and women tend to be led gamble later in life. And a lot of times with women, it's often some kind of life-changing event, whether it's you know d- uh, divorce or retirement, empty nest, mm. uh, whatever, some kind of life-changing event where they have more free time on their hands or something like that. We see a lot of that, and that's what the research shows. It's often when they're in transition. Yeah. So, so Interesting. Yeah. Teresa, do you agree? Yeah, I do. And I think that also Stephen brings up a, a good point, you know, about men tending to gamble earlier on in life. I think it probably takes us back to what we, what I mentioned before about this social activity. And on a certain level, you know, that's it's very socially accepted and it's an, a behavior that we engage, when, engage in oftentimes without any kind of second thought um, and, and don't realize the potential for addiction or the potential for abuse or for the for the potential um, for it to be so impactful for your life that you need to make a change. So um, I, I think it's interesting 
interesting statistics that we need to continue to pay attention to because we know, as Stephen mentioned, we're tr always transitioning in our lives. Correct. There's always something going on. So the more vulnerable we are to um, to this addiction, um, the more necessary it is that, that we're aware of these programs that exist, that we're aware of the support that exists, and we're aware um, of how to access it. And exactly. when to access it. I think that's important. So for those of you listeners just tuning in, we are talking about the Better Choice Counseling Services, which are designed in Connecticut through the connection for problem gamblers and their families. I want to let folks know that there's a free confidential 24-hour service helpline for gambling in Connecticut. And the phone number is 888 seven eight nine seven 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 again eight 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 seven eight nine seven 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 and again you're joining us and we're speaking with uh, Teresa Ferraro and Steve Matos both from the uh, gambling better choice gambling program and we're here talking about services that are available to uh, you and your family should you be suffering from from this issue what I'm interested in hearing about is with the casinos that we have in Connecticut and potential new ones coming on board, how do you feel that that will impact your services right now? And do you have a wait list of people waiting to get in? That's a good question. We do not have a wait list. Um, and we accept people um, 24 hours a day. Tw 24 hours a day, someone's going to be connected to or given a contact of an agency in Connecticut that can support them. Um, Stephen and I were actually just talking about the new casinos right before we had this conversation. And you mentioned a really interesting fact that I'm wondering if you can share about the different radius with regard to accessibility and gambling. So sure, the, the research shows that um, people that live within 50 miles of a casino have at a four times greater risk of developing a, a gambling problem. So you have, we have the Eastern Connecticut That's ones, then we have East Windsor possibly, and then if there was one in Bridgeport, pretty much that 50 miles would be, mm -hmm. everybody within probably close within 50 miles of, you know, in, the, in Connecticut to that 50 miles, so. Covers all the corners of yeah, the state. Pretty much cover right. everything, yeah. I think for us, you know, when being aware that there are additional casinos on the table being proposed and and we know that there's one in Springfield that that is going That's to right. open, um, you know, just right across state lines. I, you know, the main thing that we focus right now um, in anticipation for these new casinos is, you know, how can we respond to the needs of the community? And, and the first step that we take is providing the education and providing outreach to these communities that are now possibly going to be affected by it. So that's something that we do currently now in New Haven and Middletown. And, and as more proposals come along, that, that will be our first approach is to provide um, outreach and education and prevention services to, to these communities. And we also go into the schools too. I think that's an important thing to mention. You know, we do serve adults 18 and over, but youth prevention has also been a focus of ours. Do you see uh, many youth seeking services at this point? Um, not, not really. Um, there's a, f there's a few. T um, we don't see under 18, obviously, but um, we have done you know, referrals or intervention type things with you know meeting with them, not you know 
not as a client, but it, you know, giving they're giving they're giving information and what to do and you know things like that. Sorry, you're you're going into different facilities and handing out information, and besides handouts, are you also just informing people or having sessions to let them know how to identify uh, if you have a gambling addiction? Yes, we are. And we're identifying, you know, how one thing, something that seems as simple as a card game or a scratch off ticket, you know, how that can then lead to um, more troubling behavior and, and behavior that, like we've been talking about, might not seem so obvious to people. You know, can, we, can we just talk about what some of those things might be sure. for our listeners? So I think with, with any addiction, one of the first things that we need to recognize is that when you're spending more time um, focusing on your, and I use this term, uh, when you're focusing on your drug of choice, when you're spending more time focusing on your drug of choice and it's impacting your ability to live your life, care for your family, care for yourself, that's one of the first signs that we want to see. And that's one that surprisingly goes very easily unnoticed. You know, when we're hiding things, when we're not being forthcoming about our behavior, or maybe, you know, with regard to gambling, you know, what we're doing, what are we doing online when, when we're accessing the internet? I think, I think one of the most challenging things about addressing problem gambling is that gambling is everywhere. In the most simplest forms and in the most complex forms, it's accessible everywhere. Yeah, I just want to touch on something you were saying. Um, one thing with gambling, it's like it's the hidden addiction. Like mm -hmm. it could go on for many years, and the husband or wife may not even know what's going on. It could be right under their nose, and really, they don't find out about it until like a financial time bomb goes off. Like you know, the house is being foreclosed on, or losing their job, or and we see that a lot. And oftentimes, the the spouse will you know will think that they're having an affair or something, and they don't even think that they're at the casino or they're gambling. They, they, it's 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 really quite quite common, and. Uh, and one thing about um, gambling, it really has a severe impact on the family. It really, and I can, and I know a lot about that part of it too, because as a, as a peer counselor, I, I do have lived experience in my own gambling history. But I also grew up with gambling in my household. My father was a gambler; that's what he did for a living. So, you know, from as far back as I can remember, you know, gambling impacted, you know, my mom, my sister, and I, you know, pretty, a lot. So, um, I have like a lot of lived experience. And I always tell them to get two for one with me. So family <laughs> peer and a gambling peer. So. Right. Um, there you go. So, um, and so I do know the, the worst of it from both sides. And, uh, and f family support is very important with, uh, with gambling. Um, our, 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 the folks that we serve, uh, the gamblers, they, they, they do much better in recovery when they have the support of their family. So we do actually do. Of course. Um, at the connection, we have the only family support group in the, in, in the state for in, in the only in the better choice programs right now um, I've been doing that one for four years so um, it's so, really good so part of the I'm I'm assuming that part of the family piece is also supporting the family members and educating the family members on what to look for exactly. and for all for them to also talk about how difficult it's been and how to deal with the, their loved one and moving forward and what might be some of the blaring signals that they also need to, to look out for, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Sure. And it's to help them through the recovery process because they've been so, you know, impacted from the gambling, traumatized, you know, even, and, uh, you know, a lot of financial stuff, you know, we try to educate them on that, how to handle the money and, you know, mm -hmm. transparency with the finances. At, at, um, 
you know, different interventions with the money type things like that, but also just emotional support and, and things they can do to, you know, to get on with their lives, you know, after, you know, after the do gambling. You, do you typically see, um, Steve, you were so articulate to share and thank you about your own family experience and growing up in that environment, but do you see that as a common thread at times with some of the families that there was someone else in the house that perhaps they were saw gambling or someone you know they were involved with friends that were gambling and it sort of got caught up with them or is it pretty random it's it's just random you know it could be um it's pre gambling's pretty accepted like we talked about before oh, of I course mean, it it's is like you know people you know, so it's kind of accepted, um, and, it, and it and it can go on where, like we talked about, it's a hidden addiction. So, um, it could, for me, my own case, I started you know gambling with my dad at a young age. So, um, that's how I started gambling. But um, it just it's just kind of random, yeah. Or and people in recovery also. Yes, that's really that earlier, common. Are at a forty percent greater risk. There, yeah, I agree. I definitely have seen, even in my own family, um, a, a, you know, a distant cousin who went through his own addiction uh, to substances, but then he picked up gambling, and it was just amazing to me. I, I, I just have this, you know, one memory of it was a very, very bad winter storm, and he was living on the shoreline, and he was heading out to the casino, and he was so desperate that he was willing to drive with only $20 in his pocket, thinking that to drive all that way in bad weather think that he was going to win something and of course it when he won you know because there are many times that he won he would spend that mm -hmm. and it was just this he lost so many things you know relationships his family his job etc and it was very painful to see and you're right many folks that have an addiction to one thing it can turn into other substances gambling and I think you're right gambling is um, around us constantly and I do think that people don't always see that I mean it happens even in school you know in the schools at a young age it happens at all types of different affairs aside from you know lotto tickets and you know etc but the question is when you're unable to stop and it really is affecting your life and your ability to thrive you know that it's a problem so I again for those of you that are listening welcome to the show and we've been speaking with our two um, folks here, Teresa Ferraro and Steve Matos from The Connection from the Better Choice Program who have been helping us um, to understand and learn more about um, gambling problem problems that are existing in Connecticut. And once again, for those of you listening, if you have an issue, please feel free to call our, the confidential 24-hour service helpline for gamblers in Connecticut at 888-789-789. 7777. Seven. You know, the first uh, most important thing you can do, I think, is if you have a problem, it's easy for me to say, but it's true. If you reach out to those who are there to help you, just make that one phone call can truly change your life. Because when you connect with someone, like Steve has so articulately shared, having gone through that, it means so much to have someone that you're dealing with who understands the roads that you've been on. And you know what you, you stand for, Steve, really, is you're like a light of hope because what you're doing is you're offering the clients that are coming in 
an opportunity to see that you, in fact, can change your life, irregardless of how old you are or what your circumstances are, that rebuilding your life is very possible. And a lot of folks don't come in for treatment, as we know, Teresa and Steve, because they feel they know the same old, same old. And really starting all over again is really a new opportunity. And I always see the clients that we deal with at The Connection as very strong individuals. While they feel like they may have in their world um, failed, quote unquote, although I hate that word because we all have made mistakes. Let's say it's a mistake. The fact that they've survived certain things, I always see a strength. I'm always the, I always already see the, you know, the shining star in all of it. And I look at folks and think, wow, look what they've gone through and look at this road and they can pave a new road. And we've seen people do that. And I'm not going to say that it's easy, but what I do know is being being lucky enough to have folks like you, staff that work at The Connection, that do this work is really amazing. And I'm so grateful, really, that both of you are here today and that we're, you know, having this discussion. Um, So before we start to wrap up, what I would like to um, ask you, Steve, is for you personally, having, you know, been in recovery and now having this opportunity to give back to clients, how do you feel at the end of the day after you've been able to reach out and, and help those in need? What, what does that do for you as someone in recovery? And also, you know, because to me, you seem really excited and passionate. So you are, you, you know, some people say, oh, I have to go to work today. But clearly, you love what you do. You lived it. And now you're giving back hope to someone else. Did you have someone in your life that did that for you? And how do you feel like you're impacting the clients that you serve in Connecticut? Well, sure. People have done that for me all along, all along my road to rec- through recovery. You know, every day there's, there's someone who's helped me. And, uh, you know, whether it was in, for alcohol or gambling or my own recovery as a family member. Um, so um, probably the biggest thing, I mean, what I see, especially in gambling, is there's not a lot of people with long-term recovery. So I figure here's this opportunity I have to um, someone with long-term recovery from gambling to, to share, share my experience, strength, and hope with that. And you said hope. And I think I, I, that's like, I believe that hope is my number one tool. I try to be the face of hope for the folks I serve. And, um, and another thing with gambling is too, like one of the differences between gambling and, and substance use um, is that financial uh, burden that people bring into you know when they come into treatment it's just it's often it's it's often they think it's insurmountable how are they ever going to get past that you know we all think you know money's everything you know so it's it's a huge piece and, and a huge barrier for folks that when they do come in you know how they get because one thing with gambling is you know the problem could be the solution you know that it's, right you know, that's what that's what they think you know exactly and uh, exactly Teresa, do you want to add anything else to what we're talking about and, and sort of your work and what has it been like for you to be a part of this program and working with staff, our ray of hope here, Mr. Mm-hmm. Steve? He's so great. He um, is. What's that like for you? You know, and I think that it's really important to to recognize the work that Stephen and his colleagues are doing and, and the fact that you guys are the reasons that 
that the clients keep coming back, that we have clients in, in this program. I got a call not long ago um, from someone who said to me, you know, I really need to get back to the better choice. I had a slip up. I haven't been there in about five years, but I, I, I really need to get back in and, and the staff there did so much for me and that just goes to show what kind of environment we provide you know we we provide an environment where people feel comfortable where people know that they can always come back and we know that recovery is a lifelong process it is thank you what a great conversation that we had today and i want again want to thank our two guests um teresa ferraro and steve matos i'm steve i'm going to call you the ray of hope because you are and we hope that you and all of our listener listeners enjoyed it again and if you'd like any additional information regarding this topic or any of the connections programs please please visit our website at www.theconnectioninc.org that's going to do it for this sunday morning we'll be back here next week same time same place on wtic news talk 1080has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.